Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Daniel, you gotta see this. Look at this. How have you not seen that yet? Congratulations! Thank you! Start getting everything. Okay, so... I can't believe it. What is it? You gotta be kidding me! That's great! Hey, come here, you gotta listen to the story! I have something to show you. <laughs> oh my goodness! Dad! Dad! That is great! We're getting this now. Who are we gonna tell first? We gotta tell her mom something. Your mom and my mom. Welcome everyone to this morning service committee from Lawrenceville, Georgia. Go church. Amen. And to all of you that are here in this sanctuary, I want to wish you a happy Resurrection Sunday. Glory to God. And to all of you that's watching us online, we welcome you. We thank God for you. And we also wish you a happy Resurrection Sunday. This is the day in history when everything changed. Oh, you guys didn't hear me. I thank God for the praise team. They set it up little God. I thank God for the tribe, the 13th tribe. They did excellently. And I thank God for Kabod, for what we just saw. So let's just give, give, let's give them a round of applause. Glory to God. Glory to God. But I want to thank God for who made it all happen. Yeah. The one with the voice of many waters. Yeah. The Alpha and the Omega. Yeah. The beginning and the ending. Yeah. The first and the last. Yeah. He made a declaration in Revelation chapter 1 verse 8. He said, I am he that liveth yeah. and was dead. I'm alive forevermore. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Listen folks, not only is he alive, he declared, he said he has the keys to death and grave in his hand. Glory to God. He conquered sin, death, and the grave. And because he lives, we can all live and just right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As always, our vision here is to build a Jesus community and to serve the world. And this morning, I want to give you a revelation of everything you've seen so far. 
the revelation of the song you just heard in Kabod, talking about how the blood still works. Because it's not just a head knowledge, it is a reality. And I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you will hear with a different set of ears this morning so that this great news, this breaking news as I call it, will in fact revolutionize your life and you see through a different lens from today on in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So now go with me to John chapter 1. Let me just move very, very quickly. John chapter 1. Glory to God. In verse 29. And then I'll read 35 and 36. John 1, 29. Now, this morning I'm speaking using a title, Jesus, the Lamb of God. Jesus the Lamb of God. And yes, I will conclude the message next Sunday, but for today, let's get that portion, Jesus being the Lamb of God. Now this image or theme of the Lamb bookends the Bible. What do I mean by that? You know, you have a bookshelf and you have bookends that keep the books in place. <laughs> I want you to understand that message, that picture. Get that image in your mind. The image or the metaphor or the theme of Jesus being the Lamb of God bookends the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. If you don't get it, you get nothing. And my prayer for you, those that are here and those that are watching this morning, is that you catch a genuine revelation of who Jesus is as the Lamb of God. So even though it bookends the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, I start in the middle this morning. John chapter 1. In verse 29, John the Baptist is beginning to baptize and Israelites are coming. And behold, on this particular day, he looks up and who is among the crowd to be baptized? Is this Jesus walking towards him. And with that, he made this pronouncement. The next day, Jesus, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold! Which in today's language means stop, look, pay attention. Because someone just walked in this crowd that is going to change time and eternity. Someone is coming now that will change the landscape as you've already known it. Behold, he says, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I wish I had two days to push on this one verse. And I'm not saying that to exaggerate. There's a lot to unpack there. And I hope God helps us not to rush so much that we don't really get what God is saying to us. When John made that pronouncement, no Jew that heard him that day scratched their head and said, what is he talking about? How can you call a man a lamb? What kind of metaphor is this? Do you know how those disciples ask all kinds of crazy questions back in those days? On this particular case, they had zero question. Why? Because in their mind, 
Up till that time, they were filled with the pictures, the images, and the theme of what the Lamb did for and in Israel. They had no doubt what a lamb was, what a lamb represented. In fact, here in this verse, we see the connection, in case you don't know, between the lamb and sin. Because he says, the lamb of God who takes away sin. So if you don't have this lamb, your sin remains. But thank God, he came to take away the sins. So the Jewish mind understood immediately, whoa, this is no ordinary person coming to be baptized. This is someone that's going to change something in all of time and eternity. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So they heard the Lamb, they connected the Lamb to sin, but something they had never reckoned with that John said in one sentence here, is for that this lamb <laughs> it will not be the lamb that Moses slaughtered it will not be the lamb that they took to Jewish temples the tabernacle and the temple no 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 this lamb will be a lamb without limitation this will not be an ethnic lamb this will not be the lamb that Jews just slayed for their sins behold the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. <laughs> so in John's mind, you have to understand, you have to ask yourself the question. They didn't, but we have to ask the question. What gave John the authority to connect this lamb with taking away the sins of the world? Something that had never been done up to that time. At the time John was speaking, he was speaking under the law. Where the Jews sacrifice that offered lambs or sheep for their personal sins only. The Gentiles were not allowed, they were not privileged, they did not receive that same instruction to do that. And yet John, without authority, comes and says, this is the Lamb of God. Not just a lamb, not the Lamb of Moses, not the Lamb of Elijah, no. This is the Lamb of God. God, Jehovah, the God you cry unto, the God you know, the God that you worship. This is the Lamb of God, but he will not be limited to Israel. Oh my God, I wish somebody understood this and give a shout. You do not understand. Up to this time, you were excluded. Oh, but when Jesus stepped on that scene, glory to God, he brought in a new dispensation, a dispensation of inclusiveness, and in dispensation that cuts away national barriers, cuts away traditional barriers, cuts away everything a man made, because this is not the work of man, this is going to be the work of God. So what gave John the authority to connect this lamb? want to make it the Lamb of God and then talk about the sins of the world being taken away. I can see John under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit first going to the left the beginning of the book. I told you the Lamb book ends the Bible and we started in the middle. So if it's a move, he has to move left or right. So John in his mind and imagination must have been filled with the imagery of what God did before the moment he was speaking. John's mind must have taken him way 
back to the father of the Jews, Abraham. High in Genesis chapter 22, God told Abraham to go offer his son, his only son, on a mountain of Moriah that God would show him. And how Abraham took that young lad and they went on the journey three days and finally got to Mount Moriah. My God, he had the knife in his hand. He had the wood in his hand. Glory to God. And he's, as he's climbing that mountain, the son asked the father, Father, I see the wood, I see the knife. But where is the bond offering? My God. Abraham, way back then, over 4,000 years ago, spoke something prophetically. He said to his young boy, he said, God will provide himself a lamb. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So Abraham was prophetically saying, a day is coming when God will provide a lamb. So when John stood there that day, baptizing, and he saw Jesus coming, he Immediately, he made the connectivity. He made the connection. He recognized just as God in Genesis provided himself a lamb, God again is going to provide himself another lamb. Hallelujah. In Genesis, God provided a lamb for Abraham. In the Levitical sacrifices, Moses told Israel to go get their own lamb. Please don't miss this progression. Let me say it again. In Abraham, God God made the provision in Genesis chapter 22. In Moses, all through the Levitical offerings, Israelites had to go by and provide their own rams. But here in John, <laughs> so in Genesis, God provided. In Moses, the people provided. In Jesus, he's the lamb. He's the lamb that God provided. I'm here to tell you, your man-made effort will not save you from your sins. Your man-made efforts will not deliver you from your persecution and your trials and your tribulation. Because as long as man was doing it, we have to keep on doing it over and over and over. To no avail. But John said that day, when God provided a lamb in Genesis, and he compared that in his head, with how the Israelites had to make their own provision. Like many of you that I'm speaking to right now, you are still in the business of trying to make your own provision. When would you change? When would you find out that you cannot do it? When will it occur to you that by the flesh of the man, no one will prevail? When will you enter into the rest of what God has already accomplished? When will you rest and say, God, I'm going to totally, completely rely upon your provision? When? If not now, when? That's my question to you. So John the Baptist made this announcement. Hallelujah. And what I want you to see in this one verse is that God's heart for sacrifice, God's heart was never really that you and I would provide him a sacrifice. Never! That's what they did in Moses under the law because that's what they said they wanted. But the heart of God was never for me or you to present and to produce and to present a sacrifice for God. Never! God's heart 
has always been to produce a sacrifice for you. That's his heart. His heart is always to do it for you. Yeah, I know we live in the United States where we, we boast about our self-accomplishments, our individual efforts. Yes, I went to the best high school. I went to the best college. I'm in a great profession. I'm, an, I'm a subject matter expert. I've accomplished this, and we pat ourselves on the back, and we say, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, uh yeah. Just give me the credit, give me the kudos. With God, it does not count. Absolutely not. He, God, wants to do it. Because when he does it, and you accept it, you are able to embrace and acknowledge that it is the doing of the Lord. So Jesus, the Lamb of God, we saw in John, he made the pronouncement. He went to Genesis to help us understand that God's heart is to make the sacrifice for us. Now, the amazing thing about all of this, in the rest of the New Testament, you hardly see the mention of the Lamb. Check it out. You don't hear it again in Matthew, Mark, Luke, the only place in the Gospels you hear is what I just read. There's a kind of slight mention of the blood again in Acts chapter 8, in verse 32 or 33, where the Ethiopian Enoch was quoting Isaiah. The place in the scripture which he read was this. It was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. That's the only one mentioned in all of the book of Acts. This is the Enoch reading Isaiah and Philip helping him to understand what he just read. To make the connection between the lamb he just read about in Acts chapter 8 and who Jesus was. And the connection was made and the guy got born again and was baptized. Hallelujah. Peter, let me go to 1 Peter chapter 1. I need to move quickly. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 19. Give it to me in the New Living Translation if you can. Thank you. Now in the New Living Translation. 1 Peter 19 through 21. Thank you. It was the precious blood of Christ. This is the only other time in the New Testament. John chapter 1 29. Acts chapter 8. And now this. It was the precious blood of Christ. What's the qualification? The sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Don't miss that. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. God saw you and I long before the world began. A new sin was going to try to destroy the world and God would not be caught unawares. He already made a provision. In fact, the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 13 verse 8, don't go there, that Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, was slain from before the foundation of the earth. Oh, that's why I love the song Cabo just did. The blood works. It's still working. It cleansed me of my sins. It's still cleansing me. 
this blood that was shed before the foundation of the world. The you know, any building must have a good foundation. You know that. Yeah. We are sitting on a foundation here. When you go home, your home has a foundation. For me and you, we dig, dig that, put bricks or whatever to make a foundation. For God, he didn't do that. When God was going to create the world, you know what he did for his foundation? The blood. The blood. So God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But he has now what? Revealed him to you in this last days. And Father, I pray that every man and every woman that's watching and hearing will have ears and eyes to see your revelation. Through Christ, you have come to trust in God. Hallelujah. And you have placed your faith and hope in God. Why? Why do we do this? Because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. Now, what I wanted you to see in that verse, a couple of things, but I will just mention one now. Next Sunday, we'll pick up the other. Peter tells us in verse 19 that Jesus was without blemish of that spot. That's important. Let's, let's, let's find out if this be true. Because in Exodus chapter 12, verse 5, please give that to me quickly. Exodus 12, 5, one of the conditions, thank you, Exodus 12, verse 5, verse 5, one of the conditions for the Passover lamb was that your lamb shall be what? Without blemish, a male of the first year. So they could not offer a lamb, even back in Exodus, except it was without spot or blemish. So here in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, Peter reckons to that again. As a Jew, he understood that, that the lamb must be spotless. Eh? How about this Jesus? How about him? Go with me to John chapter 18 and verse 38. Five times he was examined before he was killed. Five times he stood the scrutiny Hallelujah. To make sure God allowed it to be recorded in scriptures. To make sure it fulfills it. John 18, 38. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him. In other words, no blemish. No blemish. Oh, is that good enough? It would have been good enough for me. But for the skeptics, John chapter 19. Verse 4, because in the mouth of two or three scripture, uh, witnesses, let every word be confirmed. John chapter 19, verse 4. John 19, verse 4. Pilate went out again and said to them, Behold, I'm bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no fault in him. <laughs> no blemish. The people were not satisfied. They cried and shouted again. Give me another verse. Verse 6. John 19 verse 6. In the mouth of, of, of two or three witnesses, let everyone be established. Therefore, when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out saying, crucify him. Crucify him. The same pilot, the same person, examining every time. Pilate said to them, Abba. I just put Abba there. It's not there. <laughs> that was my own emphasis. Paul said to them, you take him and crucify him. Why? 
For I find no fault. Do you still need to be convinced? Okay, just three people. Do you still need to be convinced? That Jesus is in fact the spotless Lamb of God. Hear what Exodus told us. What Peter said in 1 Peter 1 19, we see Pilate carrying out. You think this is a coincidence? Five times it happened. I only read three for you. You can read the rest at home. Luke 23 verse 4, Luke 23 verse 14. Five times they examined him, questioned him, queried him, want to find fault in him. Because you see, if he was with fault, he would have been disqualified. But no. Now let me just move to the climax. Let's go to Revelation chapter 5. Verses 5 and 6. Revelation chapter 5. Verses 5 and 6. Remember I told you the lamb, the imagery, the theme. It's from cover to cover. It's the book end of the Bible. I showed you in Genesis 22 how God provided for himself a lamb. Actually, he did that before then. He did that in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. He provided himself a lamb. I showed you how in Leviticus, under Moses, the Jews provided themselves a lamb. And we know how that worked out. For you that's providing your own lamb, you know how that's going to work out. Amen. We see in John chapter 1 that God provided us Jesus as the Lamb of God. And I'll show you how the rest of the New Testament was silent. Acts 8 and 1 Peter only. Only. But when you get to the book of the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, where the Bible says in Revelation chapter 1 verse 2 that this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Thank you. This is, the, so, so don't miss the context. Yeah. I tell you guys all the time when you read the scriptures, always read the context. Revelation is not the apocalypse. apocalypse. The, the end is not, it's not about the end coming to an end. Oh, some of you guys are, no! No! The book of Revelation is the revealing to us of who Jesus is. It said it itself. Okay, okay, give it. I'm sorry. Give it to me, Joe. Revelation chapter one, verse two. These guys are looking at me very funny. They think I'm making it up. Give it from verse one, so I can read it together. The revelation of what? Jesus Christ. The first sentence. How do you miss this and then we start talking about Star Wars and, and this, 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 this war, this, 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 all these dragons. How do you miss this? The first sentence in the book of Revelation tells you what it's about. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave, not our Lindsay and all your end time prophets that you're watching on TBN every day. Forget them. Read the Bible yourself. They sell you a book that said the world is going to come to an end in 2010. You bought the book, the world has not ended. They said it will come to an end in 2001. It didn't happen. They are, buy, they, are, they are writing new ones now that will sell to you. They will add in 2025. You will buy it again. When will you learn? The revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, go to chapter 5. 
Hallelujah. Oh, I love that song that the Kabod did. The blood works. The blood is still working. Hallelujah. It's saving people. It's healing diseases. It's breaking chains. It's loosing shackles. That blood works. Hallelujah. <laughs> Look at what's happening. In this chapter 5, we're in the throne room of God in heaven. Okay? This is where what, what I'm about to read is happening. Verse 5. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and loot its seven seals. Don't move yet, please. Don't move yet. We're going to go to verse 6, but before we get, go there, don't forget what it says. What does behold mean? Stop. Look. Pay attention. Stop. Look. Pay attention. Can we say that together? Say, stop. Look. Pay attention. One more time, please. Stop. Look. Pay attention. Aha. Why? Because the breaking news is about to come. Stop. Behold. What was he telling him to behold? The lion of the tribe of Judah. Good. You are good students. Verse 6. And I looked. He was instructed to look, right? And like a good student, he looked. I looked. Behold. In the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lion no 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 are you reading it correctly no 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 what was he told to look for come on now professor thank you how about the rest of you guys ah he was told to look for the lion of the tribe of judah that's what he, he was looking to see but when he turned around to see the lion what did he see instead <laughs> hey, for you and me that wants to see the lion, the fear, fearful, the powerful lion acting in our behalf. You want to see the lion tear to pieces your enemies. You want to see the lion, the lion, and, and I mean, bring you the victory, bring you the spoils. The lion bringing you every kind of deliverance you ever thought about. How are you going to see the lion? You have to see the lamb. Oh, you're, you're not there yet. You're not there yet. Oh, you're not there yet. Let me read that verse 6 again. Stood a lamb as though he had been slain. For years I struggled with this. When I hear people, people bleed the blood, I said to myself, what blood are they bleeding? What nonsense is that? But what this writer is saying to us, <laughs> what John saw, was he did not say he saw a dead lamb he saw a lamb as had been slain which means there was present blood flowing on that lamb because the blood 
was as fresh today as it was shed 2,000 years ago. That's why, oh my God, that's why the blood that cleansed 2,000 years ago is still cleansing now. It's not lost its efficacy. It's just a lamb like it has been slain. The blood works. The blood has power. The blood is available. The blood is still flowing. see this when you're faced with obstacles when challenges come your way when the enemy is knocking on your door don't just answer remember the image see the blood of Jesus the lamb as he had been slain not just slain but slain in your behalf slain for your situation slain for your progress slain for your victory slain for your prosperity slain from your for your healing see that lamb see it as he has been slain that's what john saw you and i are in a hurry to see the lion and you say the way to see the lion is through the lamb the way to see the lion is to the lamb. What are you seeing right now? <laughs> what are you seeing right now? Oh, as I close my eyes, I'm beholding the lamb as he had been slain. Not a dead lamb, no, 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 not like that. Dead lamb means it's dead, it's gone, it's over, it's, 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 it's carcass. No, it is a carcass. It is a carcass. This is at the end of the book, end of the book. Oh, you know what I didn't tell you? In this book alone, Revelation, the lamb was mentioned 24 times. 24 times. The rest of the New Testament, John one time, Acts one time, First Peter one time, only three times. Why? Why will God emphasize this blood, this lamb, at the end of the page? Because he wants your faith, your mind to be filled with that imagery. To help you understand your victory, the victory you are praying for, the victory you are seeking. Everything you need comes by the avenue of the Lamb. Not a dead Lamb, a Lamb as I've been slain. He already told you in Revelation 1 8, I'm alive and was dead. So it's not just a dead person. No, it's alive. He was dead and he lives forevermore. And the dead says, I have the keys of death and the grave in my hand. But how do you activate it? That's what I'm talking about this morning. How do you activate this lamb to work in your behalf? You have to behold it. You have to behold it. Hallelujah. Your friends at work see obstacles, I see the lamb. The doctors see diseases, I see the lamb. The bank see a deficit, I see the lamb. I see, uh, my, I see rebellion in my children, I see the lamb. Whatever you see, see through the lamb. See through the lamb. That blood works. That blood works. Oh, my relationships are failing. Oh, no, no, no. See through the lamb. It works. In closing, let me tie a bow on this so we can go home. Back in that Genesis 22, let's go read it this time. And I'm going to give you the benefits of the resurrection next Sunday. But for today, you will not appreciate that if you don't see this lamb. The lamb is what makes the resurrection fantastic. 
It's not just a lamp. He died and he rose. Genesis 22. Let's start from verse, from verse 2. This is the bow. This is it. This is the final cap on this message this morning. Jesus, I mean, I'm Jesus. I'm sorry. I see him in my mind so much, I'm just calling it. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of Wutachia. Don't forget that. Where is he going to go? Mount Moriah. Where in Mount Moriah? On the mountain. So what that means is there's an elevation and he's going to have to climb. Do you agree? Yeah. Thank you. Let's jump to verse 6. Genesis 22 verse 6. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife and the two of them went together. So they're going together. Obviously, they're beginning to climb. But Isaac spoke to Abraham to his father and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. This is what I want to leave you with. Every mountain of opposition in your life, every mountain of sickness, every mountain of disease, every mountain of rebellion, every mountain of loss, whatever the mountain is, do what Abraham did. What did he do? He began to climb. It's a mountain. So you may be here this morning. You're climbing the mountain of your sickness. You're climbing the mountain of your lack. You're climbing the mountain of your issue. You are climbing and climbing and climbing and climbing. This is God's assurance. As you are climbing one side of the mountain, God, the invisible God, the God I see, the invisible God is climbing the other side of that mountain. <laughs> I want to wax the record as you are climbing this side of your problem. Up on that mountain, God, the invisible God that you cannot see yet, he has already begun the journey. The moment you start your journey on this mountain, he has started his own journey. And at the apex, when your problem think, <laughs> when your problem think they are going to take you under, at the apex, God meets you on the mountain top with your provision in his hand. Hallelujah! Woo, I don't know who I'm talking to, but my God, my God, my God, I'm preaching myself happy. faithful. Don't give up. Don't give in. He has already done the job. He said, eat.
is finished. Your provision is finished. Your healing is finished. My God, your victory is finished. Everything concerning you is done. It's finished. Woo. He's just waiting for you to climb. <laughs> he's waiting for you to start your journey. As you start to climb, he's starting to climb. And he's not climbing empty-handed. He's bringing your goods. Hallelujah. I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, for every man and every woman, under the sound of my voice, my Lord God, on this great Resurrection Sunday, we thank you for Jesus, that incredible, perfect, sinless, spotless Lamb of God who was given in our behalf so that out of our brokenness out of his brokenness we may not be broke and so lord i receive wholeness healing deliverance salvation blessings for every man and every woman in the name of jesus who will embrace your gift thank you papa god you're a great god you're a great god we receive it now let me just leave you with this thought let me leave you with this thought and, I, and I'm closed, really, seriously. But I just thought I need to leave you with that. In Exodus 12, when they, put the, when they were instructed to put the blood on the doorpost, think about this. Do you think everybody in the house believed it? Eighty-year-old man, almost like Joe, uh, Joe Biden. Ah, uh, please. Uh, put, put it. Put the blood on your doorpost uh, because when you do so, uh, deliverance will come. So you think everybody believed it inside the house? There were those who believed it and rejoiced. Tomorrow we are out of here. But there will be those who are hiding under the table and wondering what this Sanaa man is saying. Since when has the blood on the door delivered anybody? How would that deliver us? We need an army, we need missiles. But when the blood came, or rather when the death angel came, whether you rejoice yes. or you are not believing, yes. everyone under the blood was saved. Yes. I'm saying to you, I declare in the name of Jesus, because of the power of that blood, regardless of your disposition, you are delivered. In the name of Jesus, it's not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. Keep your deliverance, and God bless you in Jesus' name. Very quickly, Aja, Aja, come, come, very quickly. Hilda, Buji, come, come, come. Come, 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 quickly. Buji, 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 come, 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 quickly. This, this is not scripted. These three handmaidens of God, on Tuesday, they head out to South Sudan for medical missions. This is the reason for the resurrection. This is the reason for the resurrection. To proclaim and to carry the good news all over the earth. Jesus said, I was thirsty, you did not feed me, you did not give me drink. I was hungry, you didn't feed me. I was naked, you did not clothe me. And they said, well, really? When was this? They said, in as much as you do it to any of this once of mine, you're doing it for me. They are going there on medical missions to help South Sudan, one of the most, one of the poorest nations on the face of this earth. They don't catch, they don't get news. You don't hear about them on the news. But I want to thank God for these people. And they have a group that goes there faithfully every year 
to minister to them through medical missions. And so as a church that believes in serving the world, we want to release our faith to send them forth in Jesus' name. Stretch forth your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, this is the reason for which you rose from the dead. You committed to us the word and the ministry of reconciliation. And so we should take this message across the world. In Acts 13, the church came together and separated unto you Paul and Silas for the work wherein you've called them. And so as a congregation, our go church, global outreach, whom you've called to be a Jesus community, to serve our world, we release forth this your handmaidens to carry your gospel through the love of God in their heart and the gift you've given them to serve the South Sudanese. And that through their service and their team, deliverance will come, salvation will come, healings will come, and we will come back to bring you the goodness of your wonderful work. We send them off blessing them, and they will return back unto us rejoicing with the fruit of ministry. Thank you, Papa, for this privilege in Jesus' name. Amen.